Hello, this is Pastor Keeker from Trinity Lutheran Church in Clinton, Missouri. This is the second class of a 12-week class that I am going through on the theology, a Lutheran theology of worship, and in particular an emphasis on the Eucharist and Holy Communion. This class is recorded at Trinity Lutheran Church in Clinton, Missouri on Sunday mornings, and you are invited to the next one, which is this Sunday at 9 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and the Lord be with you. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. O Lord, we give you thanks and praise that you are with us in all things. That even in the darkness, you are there. For the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. You are with us, O Lord, in all things, and your thoughts and your words are precious to us. We pray, O Lord, that you would give us ears to hear your thoughts, your your precious words of life, which alone formed us and gave us life. We thank you for your Son, who is the life and the light of man, who speaks your precious thoughts, your words, into our ears, so that we may rest and be still and know that you are God, who is with us in all things, who fearfully and wonderfully formed our inward parts and knitted us together in our mother's womb. And so we praise you. We praise you for filling our souls with your life and with your love, with your grace and your mercy, and with your voice, your word. Continue to speak to us, O Lord, that we may hear and gain a heart of wisdom. Guide us in our class today, and as we gather to receive your word and the divine service, and receive the gifts that you have given to us, so that we may know that you are our God and we are your people, that our sins are forgiven and that we have been given new life in you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. 
I want to keep this up here with me, actually. I don't like to get too far away from the scriptures. Well, uh, last week we covered a lot. Um, we're, this is class number two of the Lutheran theology of worship. And last week we wrestled with the question of simply what is worship. And we started off with this Latin phrase, lex orandi, lex credendi. Um, the law of worship is the law of faith. Or uh, to use some of the language that came out of our class last week from you all, that which we give uh, tribute to or that which we honor um, ends up forming what we believe, um, our faith. And so our, our aim, our goal is, is if, if worship forms faith, then our goal is right worship because then right worship forms right faith. And if worship is warped, it's going to create in some way a warped faith. Um, and this principle, it's, it's the first kind of foundational uh, principle that I'm laying out before you because I think it has um, enormous implications. Think about the principle, just not even within the walls of the church, but just think about it throughout life, that the thing which you worship or the thing which you tribute yourself to or you draw from or you, you gather around, how, it's, how it just inevitably forms what you believe. Right, so, so you think about your life and throughout the week, so this is outside of Sunday morning, what are you doing throughout the week? What are, you paying, what are you giving tribute to? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you hearing? It's going to form what you believe. It's going to form how you think. It's going to form your faith. Um, so if you spend all day listening to conspiracy theories, what are you going to end up believing? If you spend all day giving tribute to these things, what's going to be your faith at the end of the day? What you listen to. What you listen to. That's right. Um, it's forming you. It forms you. Something that's forming a lot of people today outside of the political realm, because I know these are Everyone's a little bit troubled when it comes to the political realm right now. Um, what's forming a lot of people today, especially us younger people, is uh, social media. Um, our interaction with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, this social media um, that we're constantly, you know, my phone's in my pocket, and if it wasn't recording me, I'd be tempted to look at it and do some scrolling throughout my day. We give a lot of attention to these things. And uh, what, is it, wh what is it impacting me to, to think or to believe? Here's one, th there's a lot of things here, but here's one that I think is definitely worth chewing on. That by worshiping that which is in our pockets or phones, social media, we are all being led to believe that we have to have an opinion on everything. Right? You got to know it all, Patty. You got to have to. You have to have an. You have to know everything and have an opinion on everything. Now, this is new. Uh, this is a new thought in, in in the history of mankind. What did people think about in ancient civilization? 
What did people think about throughout their day? Well, it was a much, it was a very micro view of life, right? You literally, you thought about that which you needed to survive. <laughs> Do we have enough food out in the cellar? <laughs> does, does Paul need to go get a deer for us, right? Does, some, does he need to go trap some food? Do we have enough food to get through the winter? You thought about your family. You thought about what was in the, in the confines of your home. And, you know, do we, have, do we have boots for the kids? We've got to wait for the cobbler to come and make boots for our kids. Like these, these were the things the man thought about was, was the children, their family, in the home, that which they did, that which they needed to survive. It was a very micro view of living. You didn't have to have opinions about everything. But now, now we have this, this macro view of life where, where you have to have opinions on everything. And so uh, it's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. None of us were made to know everything or to have an opinion on everything. And yet social media influences us to think that you have to. You have to know. And so I got to research this. And, and so, you know, for example, I get on social media to see, you know, maybe my friends got uh, a, a baby that was just born and I, I just want to see the baby. <laughs> I just want to see baby pictures. But before I get there, what, what do I scroll by? <laughs> oh, man. Political ad. You need this. Oh, there's this like new massage thing that like when it, how it hits your muscles, it's like relieves all your tension. Now I'm on Amazon and I'm looking for that to buy. And that, if you like this, you might like this. And it's like within five minutes, I don't even remember why I got on Facebook to begin with, right? Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi. That which, you, that which you interact with throughout your day, it's going to form how you think. And my caution to us right now, living in 2021, is if we think that we must have an opinion on everything, where did that come from? Um, uh, you know, the Lord speaks in his word, be still and know what? What's he want us to know? That I am God. Is that enough for us? It should be, Patty, right? It should be. That is where the soul is well informed and at peace and rest is those moments when you simply rest in God is God. And I am not. But then I pull out my phone to text my friend this thought, and lo and behold, now I'm back on social media, and all of a sudden, that rest that I once had, it's out the window because now I'm, I have to know all these other things. And did you know what happened a minute ago? Could you, did you believe what they found? What? You know, you're wrapped up in it all again. It's exhausting. So Alexarandi, Alex Credendi, the, the rule applies not just to the walls of the church. It applies to your life, too. That which you pay tribute to, that which you worship, that which you spend your time listening to and hearing and, and speaking about and your conversations, it's, going, it's inevitably going to form what you believe, how you think, what your faith is. Back to the walls of the church, though. Because this is about worship inside the church. Uh, Alex Arandi Lex Credendi. The law 
of worship forms the law of faith. Um, last week we talked about what is worship. This week we are going to narrow it even more because I could talk about the uh, I can talk about the Facebook stuff for. We could spend all day talking about that. I don't know if it would get us anywhere, but. Yes. No, that's exactly it, David. Yeah, the devil's the one always tempting us to know everything. Um. Yeah, and and Eve, Adam, and Eve both are like, "Yep, I want to know more." I mean, that's. We talked about whether the tree and the Brian and I were having this conversation earlier in the week. Was the tree in the garden, you know, a, a fig tree or an apple tree? Well, maybe it would be it would be better to say it was a Samsung phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was an Apple iPhone. Need that, um, right? And uh, you know, anyway, what? Be, Yes, I can get distracted. <laughs> so we're going to narrow it. So what is worship? That's what we dealt with last week. What is worship? Well, you know, worship is, is a receiving of God's gifts. And this is Luther, Luther's commentary in Genesis. It, you want to see where worship is? You go to the Garden, Garden of Eden, where the Lord is giving his gifts to Adam and Eve, and they are simply receiving from the Lord all which they need to live. Be still and know that I am God. This rest, this peace. And we talked about that too, that uh, when one leaves the divine service, they leave with peace with God, shalom. Um, And we talked about why we name our service the divine service, God esteemed, with an N. God esteemed. God's service. This is what the Lutheran reformers called their service. It wasn't mass. It wasn't church. It wasn't, it wasn't worship. It was God's service. Why? Primarily because this is a place where God comes to serve you with his gifts, and you receive them, and you live. Uh, so what is worship? But this week, we're going to narrow it even a little bit more. What is worship? Uh, primarily, what is true worship? How do you know it's right? So if, you, if you're building something, um, you're going to put a shelf on the wall. What do you need to make sure it's straight? You're going to need a level. Don't trust your eyes. <laughs> trust me. Don't trust your eyes. <laughs> you, put a, you will put a level on the shelf, and that that measuring line, that little bubble in the, what is, whatever it is, water? I don't know what they put in there. Is it alcohol? So it doesn't evaporate. Well, the pre-pre. Oh, okay. Well, this is good. Anyway, you want to you make sure that it, that's right in the center, and then you know the shelf is it's straight. And if it's not straight, the whole house is going <laughs> to, you're going to walk in and do one of these things. So, um, so getting the, fir- getting the first part perfectly plumb, straight, it, it impacts the rest of the house. Okay, so let's apply that idea to worship. What's the level 
that we apply to know that that worship is solid. It's plumb. It's true. It's right. It's not wishy-washy. It's not warped. It's not twisted. It's that's it right there. Nail the board on, right? What is it as Lutherans that we look to? What's our measuring line to know that the worship is true? That's our aim. Um, so while you think I got a story, so I was a senior, uh, it was my senior year at Southwest Baptist University, and I was an RA, and we had a retreat, and we went on this retreat. There was about 15 of us or so. It was all the RAs and then our, our um, resident director. Is that what you called the guy over all the RAs? I can't even remember in college. I didn't go to RD. Yes. Thank you, sis. Um, so we go on this retreat, and we went to a worship service. Now, I had been at a Baptist university now for four years. I have been to plenty of non-denominational Baptist services. Um, I was very familiar with them. And so it was a, it was a wide open gymnasium, but there was, there was like, it was a gym with carpet on the floor. And there was a band up front and they were they were playing music and they told us right at the beginning to just to spread out make yourself comfortable find your own place for worship so this is this big gym and there's 15 of us so i i find a place and the i remember the worship leader stressing very much as we were gathering just make yourself comfortable find a comfortable position um, standing or sitting or kneeling or laying or whatever, you know, whatever is best for you. Well, I think we had been standing that whole day at the retreat, so I sat. So I remember sitting on the, on the carpet, and he started worshiping, so they're, they're playing music, and, and I was sitting there. I think my legs were crossed, and my hands, you know, just folded in my lap, and my head bowed, and having just this wonderful, joyous time, uh, hearing worship music and, and, you know, you're with your brothers. I was with my friends and, you know, it's just heavenly moments. And I don't remember how many times the worship leader said this before it finally started clicking that it was, he was saying it multiple times. He said it a few times, but between songs, Eventually, I started hearing him talk about, you know, worship the Lord however the Spirit leads you. Worship the Lord however the Spirit leads you. And I thought, yeah, you know, I, I, think, I, I think I thought about my friends, uh, Ryan and, uh, and Matt, and how I, I know how they worship him. You know, I know their hands are up like this, and they're they're singing their heart out like this, probably swaying. I think I thought about them for a few moments, but I'm, I'm sitting here doing this Lutheran thing, right? I got, got my head bowed and my arms folded, and I'm, I am worshiping, I am praising him, I'm, I'm receiving the songs, I'm thinking about Christ, but I'm also thinking now about my friends, you know. They're worshiping him too. This is great, you know. Another song or two goes by, and the worship leader says again, 
Worship the Lord, however the Spirit leads you, guys. Just, I want you to be free and worship the, put your hands up in the air if that's how the Spirit's leading you, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. And I thought, okay, you know, that's, that's good. I'm, yeah, you know, worship the Lord, however, whatever, it's good. Then he says it a third time. And then a fourth time. And about this time, it's been about, I don't know how many, you know, He's made six or seven comments about how you are to worship that I finally opened my eyes because I've heard it so many times. I'm like, what is going on? Why is he so adamant that you, that you lift? He kept saying, lift your hands in the air to show that you're worshiping. And at this point, I open my eyes and I look and guess what? I'm the only one without my hands in the air. (laughs) All my other RAs got their hands up here like this and I'm the one guy sitting here with my head bowed, with my hands down, and then it clicked. Every time the worship leader was saying, worship the Lord as you are comfortable, put your hands in the air, he was talking to me. (laughs) And the form that I had for worship to him was not plumb. It wasn't right. He was looking for something else to know that worship was true. Um, And that experience stuck with me because I was worshiping, and yet the worship leader was telling me that I wasn't. Why? Because of what I was doing with my body. So the question for us then, if you're leading worship, or as a Christian, you walk into a worship service. What is it that makes it true? What is it that makes it plumb? What makes worship true? Thoughts. Word of God. David. Word of God. Law and gospel. Where law and gospel and the word of God is there there you have worship okay good what else are you looking for to know that worship is jesus and christ centered christ centered <clears throat> say a little bit more help me narrow that down what are you looking about what are you looking for to know that it's christ centered the cross on above the altar that says this man died for my sins so image images of christ not just images, it has to be, you know, the faith that, the images just reinforce our faith, let's put it that way. Okay, um, I don't want to write two sentences on the board. <laughs> uh, That's why I say Christ-centered. Christ-centered, I go back, I'll take it, I'll take it now. I give Christ-centered. Yeah, great answer, Timothy. To try to define that, you know, gets to be very complicated because yeah. everybody's <clears throat> looking at where do I find Christ? Yeah. You should be finding Christ in the Word of God to begin with. Okay, very good. No, that's a good way. That's another, that's an excellent way of rephrasing the question. What is true worship? You, essentially, you're asking the same question when I say, where is Christ found? It's the same thing. Where do I find Christ? Where is worship true? Same question. Okay, so we got the word of God, Christ-centered. Any other thoughts of like what, what goes through your mind of 
How do I know worship is true? Brian. Okay. So, you know, I don't know. Receiving, receiving, so. Uh, Not for, you know, a show, but, you know, you're receiving inwardly what Christ gives. True worship is. Yeah, I like it. From God, not from us. Okay. Is that? From God, receiving from God. Right. Faith. Right. Faith. Okay, good. Yeah. And, you know, we could ask the question, how do I know faith is there? What do I look for? The Lutheran understanding of worship, what makes worship true is the word of God. Where that word of God is preached, there you have Christ and all of his gifts. And where his sacraments are given and people are receiving them, there you have true worship. So Lutherans don't we don't limit worship to a different to a denominational name, right? A Lutheran's quite comfortable saying true worship is found outside the Lutheran church. We're not the only ones with true worship. Wherever God's word is preached in its purity, <laughs> you got it, right? Is God's word being proclaimed there? That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter if you walk into a church with, without a denominational name. It doesn't matter if you walk into a Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist church or, or whatever church it might be on a Sunday morning. If God's word is preached, the house is solid. It's plumb. What makes worship true? Scripture. Scripture does. And how do I know when the scripture is being preached? Scripture will tell you. <laughs> Sounds circular, but, but we are those, we are scripture alone people. So it's not man coming into a church and saying, well, I think that that preacher did preach according to the Bible because I think, no, 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 no. God's word being proclaimed according to God's word. And what defines what God's word is? God's word does. It's scripture, 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 scripture alone. Uh, is what makes worship true. And where that scripture is taught and confessed, and where God's sacraments are administered, there you have it. That's how you know, for a Lutheran anyway. So again, our emphasis is not upon a person, whether he's the person that's vested and you know, who laid hands on him, or upon the person in the pew and where their hands are, yeah, up in the air. That's, for us, that doesn't matter. All that matters is that God's word is there. And where God's word is, there Christ is. So I don't care if there's two people or 2,000 people. If they're all sitting with their heads bowed and humble and quiet. Or if they all got their hands up in the air and they're praising the Lord with all their heart or praising the Lord with all their heart, with their heads bowed, it, it doesn't matter, right? What matters is, is God's word there. 
This is why when Cree was in the hospital, the closest church is a Catholic church. And every day at 11 a.m. they had a mass, and I would go because they had the readings. They would read the scriptures. And then a priest would get up and preach sometimes really great sermon homilies, and then other times I found no comfort in anything that he was saying, but my comfort wasn't in that. My comfort was in the words that, he, that they read. I mean, God's words read. Praise God. That, uh, those brief moments where we can receive. Uh, Dr. Just, he writes on the theology of worship. Martin Luther in the Reformation helped us to see that what is foremost in our worship is not our service and sacrifice to God, but his service and his sacrifice to us. The gifts of Jesus are hidden in the simple means of water and word, bread and wine. And so we join a world outside ourselves by receiving gifts from heaven in the flesh of Jesus and submitting ourselves to the great mystery that heaven comes to earth through this bodily presence of our Savior. So we sometimes think of heaven abstractly as sometimes as somewhere up there, but heaven is wherever Jesus is. Because Jesus is present among us in his gifts of word and sacrament, then heaven itself is present among us. It's the world of angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven. So the mystery of heaven on earth is a biblical theology of worship. So to use his definition, he would say, well, worship is wherever heaven and earth collide. So I'm not coming and bringing more things of man, but I'm coming and, being, and I'm being served and receiving the things of heaven here on earth. This is scripture. This is how scripture speaks. Look, Isaiah 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. A train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the angels flew over to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the altar. And he touched my mouth. And said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. In Revelation 19, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine, bright, pure linens. And the angel says to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. Where is true worship found? I mean, the scriptures, where the marriage supper of the lamb is being celebrated where heaven and earth are colliding, becoming one, where the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven are around the Lord in his throne singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he. And then they take this holy thing from an altar and they touch your lips and atone for your sins. 
where people are gathered around a throne to receive from the Lord forgiveness of sins. In those moments, heaven and earth are colliding. This is why before the sacrament of the altar in our prayers of the church, we end by saying, with the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name. And right after saying that, along with the angels in Isaiah 6, the Lord comes and touches our mouths with that which atones for our sins. And what's that which atones for our sins? The body and blood of our Lord. He alone atones for sins. <laughs> Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. It's right now. And it echoes through all eternity. What, when Christ institutes his marriage supper and his death on the cross, and here in about 45 minutes, and on the last day, it's one event. It's all one. He was, he is, he is to come. We are brought into heaven on earth. When heaven and earth collide, there is no time, Carolyn. It's this mystical, beautiful experience where we receive that which our soul needs to live, chiefly the forgiveness of sins. And so in those places where the Lord's word is not only heard, but placed upon our mouths, we rest. It's not about us. It's about him and what he does for me by his grace. And he's come for me to save me to make me holy. And so like Adam and Eve in the garden, we're simply there receiving life again from the Lord, receiving his gifts, the promise that my soul needs to be at peace because it's not found in what I do. Lord, save us from that way of thinking. It's not found in what I do or what man does. It's found in the Lord's word and what he does for us. That's the only thing that can give us rest. Let's end with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.